The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we are lucky to have a very special guest, Bertrand Berry, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 12-year NFL veteran. You can follow Bertrand Berry on Twitter at BTrain92. That's at B-T-R-A-I-N-92. It is indeed an honor to have you on my podcast. How are you today, Mr. Berry? I'm doing good. Good, sir. How about yourself? Oh, just thrilled to have you. Really am. <laughs> so let's start with your college career. You played for the Notre Dame Fighting <clears throat> Irish four years. You recorded 187 tackles, 16 and a half sacks. You were forced to be reckoned with in college. Now, I understand you're from Humble, Texas. My first question is, how did you end up at Notre Dame? Well, you know, the, the funny thing about being from Humble, you know, the H is silent, is I think for a lot of people, it was outside of Houston. It's a suburb of Houston. So for me, a lot of people figured that I would go to one of the big Texas schools at the time, either UT or Texas A&M. And I was really big in the A&M. I, I'd gone to a lot of the home games at, at College Station with the, one of my best friends. His dad was a season ticket holder, and so we used to go to all the games, and I was a a big fan of how they played defense. They had the, their moniker, the Wrecking Crew. And uh, funny thing, they played Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl my senior year in high school, and Notre Dame absolutely tore them a new one. And a and was undefeated. Everybody was talking about this was the year they're going to win a national championship, and I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to Texas A&M. And I'm just going to be part of a great tradition. And then here comes this team from South Bend, Indiana, and they just absolutely dominate Texas A&M in every aspect of the game. And I said, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> if this team can be beat like that, let me let me look into this other team. So I, I was able to uh, dig into Notre Dame. I went on a visit in January, uh, my senior year, and and the rest is history. Uh-huh. What was it like playing in Notre Dame? How was it that you were so successful there? I mean, it's an iconic school we're talking about. The thing that I loved about Notre Dame was everybody chose to be their one. So everybody had the same mindset. So it, it was easy to, to have good chemistry with your teammates because in every college, everybody chooses to be there. So you're kind of like-minded in that sense. But I think with Coach Holtz, he did a great job of making sure that everyone bought into the team concept. There were no individuals. Everything was we, everything was commitment, trust, and, and love. You know, if you were committed, if I could trust you, you know, and if you love me, then you'll do the things that you need to do in order to be successful and for this team to be successful. So 
All of us bought into it. I bought into it. I just wanted to win. I wanted to be part of a championship team. I wanted to put a ring on my finger in my, during my college days and, and my freshman year. We came oh so close. We were voted out of it, unfortunately. But uh, I just had a great time. I, I was surrounded by, by great teammates, great coaches, and I just didn't, I just, I just didn't mess it up. Oh, great, great response. Can you go into some detail? What, what was it like playing for Lou Holtz? I mean, that is one respected coach. Coach Holtz was a, a great teacher. He loved his players. He, he really poured into his players. Um, he was a, a great motivator, as you probably could know. He, he's done many uh, speaking engagements. And, and I tell people, that's what we got on a daily basis. With these, these companies are paying, you know, I don't know, whatever they're paying to hear him speak. We, we got it basically for free every day. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what we heard every single day. So it was easy to go out there and play on Saturdays because he would always give us a pregame speech. We would always be ramped up because it was always an order in the week. We always started where he, he told us we really couldn't play. Then, you know, we could kind of play. And then by the time we got to Saturday, he was, he was telling us we were the best team on the field. And that's all we had to do. We didn't have to be the best team in the country, just be the best team on the field that Saturday. So we believe that and we really bought into it. And, and I think guys gave their, their, their all to each other and they gave all to their, to coach Holtz. And, and we were able to win a lot of football games. Oh, phenomenal. Now, now your freshman year, right? Notre Dame, Florida state game of the century, mm. number one, mm. number two, both nine and oh. Can you yep. take us through that game? The first thing I remember about that game was the week leading up to the game. The game was so unbelievably hyped. It was the first uh, college game day uh, with Lee Corso and all those guys. And, and so a lot of people don't realize that it was the very first one. And, and I know that we had a bye week before that game. And so usually the way that the week worked was Monday, Tuesday, there wasn't a lot of buzz. Wednesday, there'd be maybe a few people on campus as far as fans and, and people that were going to go to the game. And then around Thursday, you start to see more and more trickle around the, the, the quads and all that kind of stuff. And then Friday, it was kind of a madhouse. Well, this particular week against Florida State, from Monday to Saturday, it was a madhouse. It was hard to get to class. It was hard to move around campus because there were so many people on campus all week long because as I said there was so much hype number one versus number two everybody was talking about how Florida State could beat some pro teams which is utterly ridiculous but we just <laughs> stayed the course and and we had just come off a, a lackluster performance against Navy the the game before and that first that that bye week coach Holtz ripped us a new one because he told us how bad we were as a team we couldn't beat anybody and slowly but surely he followed that same script by the time we got to game week, around Wednesday, Thursday, he started to build us up. He started to have us believing that we could go out and, and do what most didn't think we could do. And uh, Saturday came and it was an unbelievable atmosphere that there were so many cameras. There were so many people. I mean, it was so loud. You could just there, there, there wasn't a moment for three hours where there was silence at any point during the game. I mean, there was always constant noise. OJ Simpson was the sideline reporter oh, for yes, that game. Yes. So, you know, it was, it was just a, one of the best atmospheres that I'd been around as far as college football, really football. And, and to, 
to be a part of that and to play in that game, it, it was one of those memories that will live on, live on with me forever. Phenomenal response. I could actually live the moment listening to you. What a great response. <laughs> Your sophomore year, you play a Bill uh-huh. Walsh Stanford team. Mm. I got to ask, what was that like going against a Bill Walsh team in college, sophomore year? What, the funny thing was, as for myself, to be totally honest, I, I knew who Bill Walsh was, but Coach Holtz didn't let us build him up to that level. He, we looked at Stanford as they were just next on the schedule. We, we didn't think about Bill Walsh. We didn't think about what he accomplished in the NFL and the San Francisco 49ers and all those things. We just looked at the Stanford team that season. And we knew, one, Steve Stenstrom was the, the quarterback, and, and my job was to go after him. And that's all I was concerned about, and, and that's what our, our coaches preached all week long. And uh, it wasn't Coach Holtz versus Coach Walsh. It was Notre Dame versus Stanford. And the, the year before, we went up to Palo Alto and we had some, some, some success against Stanford. So we didn't really feel as if we were going to be as threatened by Stanford as we would some of our other opponents. Like we felt like Stanford was a good team, but not a team that we were going to just worry so much about. If we played the way we were supposed to play, then we figured we'd have success. And I was fortunate enough to have a pretty decent game. I had three sacks that game. And Great. I remember being thrown out of that game as well. So it was kind of bittersweet. And I remember Coach Holtz, it, a lot of people always think of, of, of Coach Holtz being this little guy that always grabs the, the big players by the face <laughs> mask. Well, that was my face mask moment by Coach Holtz because I did get thrown out of that game. It was like 20 seconds. 15 seconds left in the game and and these these two linemen were kind of giving me the business because I'd given them the business all game long and you know I just retaliated and and of course the referee always sees the second hit he doesn't see the first one Mm -hmm. and he saw mine and and I got tossed so uh it was it was a it, it was a great game we were able to to really have a lot of success and and uh the, the the only dark spot in that whole game was obviously getting thrown out because it was, it was embarrassing. And of course you, you never want to uh, have those moments where you lose your cool. And it was a great teaching tool for me, something that I carried with me the rest of my career. That's a phenomenal perspective. You have phenomenal. Now in 1997, you, you entered the mm-hmm. NFL draft selected mm-hmm. by the Indianapolis Colts. So, so my first question here, before we go to your NFL career just the transition of going from college into the NFL, those first few months, what, what is that like? Speed. The speed is the biggest difference between college and pro. Speed. And it, the, those, these are grown men. These are men that have kids, that have families. And in college, we're, we think we're pretty fast, but there, there's a level of physicality that is on another level when you start talking about the NFL. And I think for me, the adjustment was seeing how big these men were and how fast they could still move at the size that they were. So it, it didn't take long to, to have to adjust because when you get hit that first time, you have to make a decision. Is this for you or is this not for you? And I, I said to myself, I didn't come this far just to come this far. So I wanted to make my, uh, my time spent in the NFL, something that would be worthwhile and, you know, I adapted and adjusted, and everything worked from there. Well, from Indianapolis, you 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 went to Denver, and mm-hmm. and there you led the team in tackles and sacks. 
can, can you talk to us about your experience with the Denver Broncos? I love my time in Denver. Denver was a town that was sports crazy. They loved their sports teams. They loved their Broncos. The Broncos were the first sports team there, pro sports team there. And of course they had the orange crush, you know, back in the late seventies and, and the love affair was on from then on. They, they, they loved the Broncos. And, and once I got there in 2001, they were still living, I don't want to say living off of it, but they still had the euphoria of the 97, 98 Super Bowl teams. And I played with a lot of those guys that were on those teams. And so uh, there, there was great uh, fan support there, no matter win or lose. The fans were always great to us. Uh, even during the week, you go out and about in the city and, and people could tell you stats and they could tell you things that you had done better than you could remember. And, and I just, I love the fact that they supported us 1000% win or lose. And it was just such a, a great time spent there. Those three years, I, I, I truly treasure those years. And, and uh, those years were important for me because I had spent the year before getting to Denver out of the league. So they had given me a chance to resurrect my career and have a second act to my career. And I'll always be grateful to them for that opportunity. And, and um, it, it, it was just a, a great time in my life. I needed it. Uh, my daughters were born during that time. So uh, there were a lot of different things going on personally as well as professionally. And, and man, what, what a great time to, to, to reflect on. I really appreciate that answer. Uh, you went from Denver to Arizona, and there you were, starter in the NFC Pro Bowl, or the Pro Bowl for the NFC. Can you mm -hmm. talk to me about your years in Arizona? Well, my first year was obviously a whirlwind. I, I honestly didn't want to leave Denver, but when Arizona made the offer that they made, I just couldn't pass it up. It was just too good. And unfortunately, in Denver, th there were some – some aspects of the business that that are unfortunate that you, you really can't control and and you have to play the hand that you're dealt and so I had to move on and with the Arizona they gave me a great opportunity to be a leader for the first time in my professional career I, I was given a chance to to lead the defense be the catalyst for this defense and really try to turn this thing around uh, with with Denny Green uh, being the head coach um, the, it just it, it felt like the perfect opportunity for me to reestablish myself and, and get out of the, the title as a, a great story. You know, the undrafted free agent off the streets, making good, becoming a starter in Denver. And, and it, it, it was good for a while, but in order to take that next step, you had to kind of spread your wings and, and re uh, reintroduce yourself to the NFL. And so to, come at it in Arizona as a leader, it, it definitely changed the perception of myself around the league. And I think even in the organization, they, they looked at me a, a little bit differently than how Denver had looked at me as opposed uh, to just being a guy off the street and, and you know, being a, a diamond in the rough. They looked to me to be that leader. And, and I embraced that role wholeheartedly. And you succeeded. I, for my listeners, I, they know I'm a professor at Arizona State University, and I have incoming freshmen year after year after year. And we talk football, and you are mm. idolized among this generation, the previous wow. generation. Uh, kudos to wow. you. You are well-respected. 
Sir, Thank what you. is your life like these days? My life is pretty good. I, it's, it's pretty low key. I don't, uh, I don't do very much. I, I own a business now where I, I coach defensive linemen one-on-one. And uh, this is my logo here, as you can see. Uh, my name of my, name of my business is Trains Station, apostrophe S. And I'm, I'm located in downtown uh, Phoenix. And so, you know, that, that's where I spend most of my time these days. I work with high school college and pro guys i even work with middle school guys i mean whoever wants to come and learn how to get after quarterbacks i'll be more than happy to teach you and and it's been great this is my third year and i've really enjoyed it and seeing uh, some of my my clients go out and perform at the high school level college and pro level i mean just watching football and and seeing these guys live out their dream it's it's a tremendous thrill for me it's like it's like watching my own son and now I get to coach him. So that's even better. So the fact that I actually coach my actual son now, who's uh, at Highland high school now, uh, it, it, uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing. I, I just feel very fortunate to do what I love and to get paid for it. My goodness, they pay me to do what I, what I, what I love to do. I mean, what, what could be better than that? What a fabulous response. You can hear the passion in your voice. Yeah. I always end the podcast with a few fun questions. So you game for a few fun questions. Let's do it. All right. Thank you. Good, sir. All right. If you could have been on the sidelines reporting any game in the history of college football, what game would it have been? Game in college football. I, I'd probably say, wow. Um, I would have loved to have been around the Notre Dame, Michigan State, where they tied 10-10. 1966 there was a lot of talent on that field and I can only imagine the atmosphere of course I'm going to be biased I'm going to say my college I'm not (laughs) going to give anybody else any shine I mean there are some great games and all that kind of stuff but I I, when I think about that game and and how impactful it was on the 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 outcome of the season and and you know who was going to be national champions which of course was Notre Dame it was one of those games that are is still talked about. When I was in school in the 90s, they were still talking about that game in 1966, some 30 years later. Yeah, so it, it, it had that type of profound impact on college football, and, and I would have loved to have been on the side reporting what I saw play-by-play. Sir, who is your favorite player in college football history? My favorite player in college football history. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of favorite players in college football history. If I had to say one, I would have to – man, that's that's a tough question because there's a lot of different guys. At different points in my career, you know, I, I was a running back in high school. I was a linebacker, a defensive end. So there were a lot of different guys that I followed uh, all through – through college, I, I would say my favorite player, man, I'm going to say Earl Campbell. Mm. I'm going to say Earl Campbell to Tyler Rose. And uh, to for what he was able to do at the University of Texas and to be that dominant with, with all of the expectations. <clears throat> of course, everybody had heard about him, what he had done in high school, all the astronomical numbers. And, you know, it, it was 
he's still a legend. Like they still talk about Earl Campbell in, in reverence. Like, you know, he's a, he's a God, you know, and, and uh, he's a very humble man. I've had the pleasure of getting to meet him. Oh. And yeah, I, I, I absolutely like? had the pleasure. Uh, it, it was, uh, I geeked out a little bit. I geeked out a little bit. I, I kind of got lost for words because he, this is a guy I wore 34 in high school. Hmm. And of course him being a Houston Oiler, you know, which was my favorite team to wear 34 as well. It, it just, words couldn't describe how, how, how honored I was to be in his presence and to, to realize that this was a great man. And unfortunately he was in the wheelchair at that point too. And, and you, you see this, this, this mountain of a man having to, 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 you know, be pushed around, you know, that was um, a little heartbreaking to some degree, but at the same time, uh, he was still the Earl Campbell that I remember running over everybody and, and really taking on all the whole team. Like it felt like there, it, it took all 11 guys to bring him down because he was just that powerful and he was just that motivated as a runner. So he was probably the guy that I watched and you just looked at with just awe. Man, Barry Sanders is another one. He's he's probably one A. What what he was able to do at Oklahoma State, my goodness! I mean, twenty six hundred yards his senior year, and it, the numbers are just ridiculous. Great response. What is your most memorable play in college football history? You had to pick one. Field goal against Boston College. Mm-hmm. We are. We made this comeback. We, we we had this awful game. Boston College played as well as they could possibly play. Everything went their way, and we get a two-point conversion on offense to take the lead. And from that moment on, the, the crowd is going crazy, and, and we felt like we were going to win. We start off on the kickoff. We, we get a personal foul, which uh, – that kind of was the omen. <laughs> and then they, they drive down the field and, and that, that field goal, being on the field for that field goal, they still replay that field goal from time to time. And uh, that's the play that ultimately cost me a national championship. Uh, we, we were beat. We didn't get cheated. Uh, we just got outplayed by a team that was more determined than us. And uh, that one hurts because it was college, uh, we all chose to be there, you know, NFL success is more, you know, chance, staying healthy, all that kind of good stuff. But in college, that's that, those are the ones that you remember the most. And to be that close and to uh, see that ball hook, it, it, it started off as a shame. And then somehow or another, it, it, it corrected itself and went straight through the uprights. And mm-hmm. it was just a, it was an awful feeling one, because at that point, you know, I was I was barely 18 years old. I got to school at 17. So to get there and, and to know nothing but success up until that point, it, it was we didn't know what to do. It, it, we, we hadn't lost a game. You know, we were what, 10 and 0 at that point. And so we, we we didn't know what losing felt like the freshman class. So it, it was kind of a weird feeling walking back to the dorm after that and really processing the fact that we just had a national championship slip through our fingers. Oh, I, I can see that. And and correct me if I'm wrong. That was the game after the Florida state game. The very next game, the very next game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So many, so many things happened right after that game. It was an unfortunate tragedy. 
after the Florida State game, a young lady lost her life. She was hit by a car uh, by campus. And uh, there was just a lot of different things going on. And, and looking back on it now, it, it <laughs> I don't know if we ever really had a chance. Uh, Boston College had lost to Notre Dame, I believe, 54-7 the year before. Tom Coughlin was the coach. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot of great players, Glenn Foley, uh, Pete Mitchell, Mike Mamula. Um, man, there were there were a lot of names on that Boston College team. And, and I just think we didn't come in with the right mentality. And, and unfortunately, they were game that day and, and they were the better team. You got to you got to tip your hat to them. Uh, admirable, admirable response, sir. What was the greatest game in college football history in your estimation? The greatest game. The one game that I remember, not even my game, but I remember the, what was it, the 2006 National Championship with Texas and Southern Cal? Yes. That 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 game, I, there were so many, so many great players on that field and what Vince Young was able to do in that game and and Reggie Bush, Lindell White, and uh, Vince Young. And I mean, the, the names just go on and on and on and on. And to end the way that it did for Vince Young to take those, those body blows and still find a way to win that game, that was, you just knew it was a great game. You, you, you walked away feeling satisfied. It wasn't a blowout, both teams played well enough to win. It lived up to all the hype. And I just remember thinking, either way, I'm I'm good. I mean, obviously, I'd much rather Texas than Southern Cal for obvious reasons. But even if they had won that game, I think I would have been okay because it was nothing short of sensational. Just a, a great football game to witness and the back and forth the drama, the suspense with everything on the line, the Southern Cal having their immortality, three straight championships on the line and, and Texas, Vince Young, can he pull it off? You know, the, the, the team out of nowhere and, and for them to, to pull that, that game off and upset Southern Cal. I, I still get goosebumps thinking about that game. Yeah, I, I do too. Actually, as you're going through it in my mind, I'm getting goosebumps listening to you. Yeah, I just 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 a lot of firepower on both sides of the ball for both teams and two legendary coaches, Mac Brown, Pete Carroll. You know, you could just go on and on. Both okay. programs, very storied. It, it was just a great game. It was a great game. Biggest upset in college football history. <laughs> I'm going 1993. Notre Dame gets upset by Boston College. I, mean, we, say, we, I didn't know, but I was wondering. We we beat Florida State in the game of the century the week before, and 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 we lose to Boston College. Boston College was a a really good football team. I want people to understand that. But to have beaten Florida State and then the very next week to lay an egg at home on Senior Night for our seniors, uh, that that was uh, that that was heartbreaking. And and you know some of the seniors included Aaron Taylor, Bryant Young, who just gave his Hall of Fame speech. Uh, Jeff Burns. I mean, there were so many great seniors from that class, and and we really felt like we let them down to to not get out of there with that win and and finish that deal. So uh, it it was it, it gave the the writers and the coaches polled all they needed to to vote us number two and Florida State number one because you know had that been now 
we'd have been the national champions because, you know, head to head counts most. So, you know, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, at the time, we, we lost fair and square to Boston College. It would have been nice to have shared it, but they they saw fit to give it to Florida State outright, and you just got to live with it. If we took care of our business, it would have been a moot point. I admire your perspective so much. I really do. Greatest team in college. I appreciate you. Greatest team in college football history. Oh. I got to say the 2001 Hurricanes. From top to bottom, that roster with with the NFL guys that were on that team. I mean, I I just think about the three-headed monster at running back. You had Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, and then you had Clinton Portis. Frank Gore was the third string back on that team. Like, are you are you are you are you kidding me? You know, you think about the tight ends. You had Kellen Winslow Jr. and Shockey. I mean, you had Bill Matt, linebacker. You had Sean Taylor at, at, at safety. You had, you know, Buchanan and, and, and Antrell Roll at cornerbacks. I mean, the, the, there was so much firepower on that team. It, I just, whoo. Uh, now, Alabama's had some pretty good ones here recently. And they, they've had some some notable rosters. I think about maybe the 2011 when the, the team that beat LSU in the rematch, that was a pretty reloaded roster. But, man, that Miami Hurricane 2001, just, just when you start looking at the names that were on that roster and guys that were the backups at that time, it's 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 – it's crazy. It's just crazy to think that many talented players all were at one school at one time. Fully understand. Fully understand. Well, I want to thank you, Mr. Bertrand Berry. You've been a phenomenal guest. You're a gentleman. You're a scholar. You can follow him on Twitter at btrain92. That's at B-T-R-A-I-N 92. Follow this man. Thank you, good sir. And thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday 